0: Tonight, um, uh, this is the first Sunday of Advent If I'm not wrong, is that right? That's yes. right Look at that, I can do math um, in December um, As we, as we leave up to Christmas, um, it's kind of math Which is wild because Christmas is nearly here um, I started my, I'm opening my Advent calendar Holly's mom, Kathy, um, gets us these Advent calendars every year which is only uh, a Lego set which is broken up into different days and so there's like kind of like the instructions for each day which you can kind of break them up into 24 days of, of different envelopes um and so last week I wanted to explore we don't really do Advent very well at Blueprints just because we don't actually have a Christmas day service and so Advent kind of leads to a lot of nothing um, but I do want to explore a few themes around that in the next uh, this week and next week um and then the, the Christmas party is going to be our last week together but I had this inkling I just spent um leading up to this, that, that God really wanted me to share around this theme of joy. Now, I don't know if you really followed what's going on right now. Joy is a bit of a, a strange one to talk about at this point in time. But I think that's actually probably why I felt this deep desire to talk about joy. And in the midst of suffering, in the midst of grief, in the world that we live in, in our lives, um, it can be so countercultural and so counterintuitive to, to talk about joy. And I felt such this such a resistance in myself. And so I thought, well, let's press into that and explore what God means in that. And so what I did was, um, as I always do when I start doing a sermon, I turn to the Bible. Not really, I go on Google. I went on Google and said, okay, what do, what do Christian commentators say about joy? What does it mean? What is it defined as? How do we understand this within the context of faith and suffering, etc., etc.? And I found the most contradictory positions I've ever found on, like it's probably most like kind of theological concepts. Um, one person wrote literally, wrote, joy is the opposite of sadness. And then someone literally, in the next click I click, clicked, said, joy is not the opposite of sadness, um, in capital letters. Um, and then someone said, joy is the choice you make for yourself. And the other one says, joy is not a choice. Um, and so then I realized that every Christmas you say joy to the world, and people will sing about different things at the same time. It's quite, it's quite incredible. Um, and so I was like, what does it mean, what does it mean to be joyful? What does it mean when Christ calls us to joy, um, and when the Bible talks about joy? And so what entails this nebulous concept um, um, that we we talk about as joy and one that's filled with nuance and often baggage Um, because you know this idea of don't be sad, just be joyful is something as a society and I think rightfully within the society and as a church we're kind of pushed back against, right? Don't be sad, just be joyful Um, A beautiful indication of this is in one of my favourite movies um, Inside Out, if you haven't watched that, great movie um, in the whole movie, but basically, this is a spoiler, if anyone watched Inside Out, oh, too bad. Um, <laughs> um, in, in the movie, the the character of Joy, essentially the whole part of the movie, I might be getting this wrong, I watch this all the time. But the other thing about the part of the movie is that Joy basically learns that sadness isn't this kind of blocker to her being joyful, but actually it's a deep importance for both to exist within a person, that, that sadness is not something we sideline for, for joy. Yet, the Bible is really clear on the centrality of joy for our faith, right? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy, um, in Nehemiah writes, of joy of the Lord is my strength. In Acts, it tells us that this early church was full of joy. And there are countless of other instances of joy being described as central to what we believe in. Jürgen Moltmann, a German theologian, a beautiful theologian. A lot of cool theologians are from Germany. I don't know why, but um, just a thing. Um, but Jürgen Moltmann writes that Christianity is a unique religion of joy. And so what he's saying is that it's a distinctive of what we believe in, that we believe in Christ's joy. So tonight I want to share a little reflection, just three points, as usual, um, around, and just three thoughts I've had around this topic. It's not They're not all kind of linked together and I'm not trying to define joy per se, it seems like no one online can agree on what that is anyway um, But I just want to cast a little bit little bits of stuff that maybe help us um, start the discussion on what it means to be joyful end of time and joyful in um, the world we live in currently So one of the key things about joy is that joy is inherently tied to restoration Joy is inherently tied to restoration In Isaiah it writes Those redeemed by the Lord will return with glad glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. Those redeemed by the Lord will return with glad shouts. See, joy in the Old Testament is always met with the restoration of God's people. And it's something that occurs when people are restored from bondage, from exile, from slavery. Whatever it is that God's people have been put under, um, the, the, the restoration of that is what brings joy yeah so the restoration of that is what brings joy and this is precisely why the good news is good news of joy when we think joy to the world on Christmas day it's because the birth of Christ the incarnation of Jesus the incarnation of Christ in the season gives us the hope of restoration it gives us the hope of restoration to us but we also know that not all things have been restored yet I don't think we need to look very far to see that right not all things have been restored yet. And so what is um, all firmly placed around is what we've called a kingdom theology, um, a conception that the kingdom is already, but not yet. I don't know how many people have come across that um, that, that wording, but the kingdom is already, or now, but not yet. Which means that the kingdom is, we are already in the kingdom of God, inaugurated, started, began by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection here, but it's not in its full glory yet. So it's not fully here yet. So we're in the already, but not yet. Some things have been restored, some things are being restored, and some things are yet to be restored. And so this is my first point, is that joy is about restoration, which means that it must be held alongside suffering in this world. See, the deep difficulty we can feel about joy in this world, the deep kind of incongruence, um, that word already came up today, so um, I I, I love it, Uh, incongruence, the deep kind of... um, kind of contradiction of the two is that the fact that suffering still exists. How can we feel joyful if suffering still exists? It can feel contradictory, sometimes it can feel even guilty. Yet, if we understand the framing of the kingdom in this conception of here or already but not yet, we can see the proper place of joy in a world that is full of suffering, right? That we are joyful for the things that have already been restored. We are joyful for the things that are being restored. We celebrate and rejoice in these things, and there's an activity in this for us to be witnesses of what God is doing in restoration of all things. And we have hope for the joy that will come when the things that are not yet restored, those things which are still broken, things which are still suffering, we have hope that we will have joy when those things are eventually restored, because that's the hope of the Gospel, that all things will be restored. Does that make sense? Is that clear so far? Yeah, so that's the proper place of joy, and what N.T. Wright writes is that you right writes, right, right, is that joy is caused by the now The joy is caused by the now and generates a new shape for the not yet joy is caused by the now so joy is caused by yeah, by now and generates a new shape for the not yet so it holds the shape for what is about to come so this toting of joy and suffering is not as a binary but rather hand in hand the world we live in and, this is, and I think this is a really clear message through the biblical text 1 Thessalonians says, For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. That is the, the, the context of suffering and joy are um, held hand in hand in this. And I, I really truly believe that this is a type of joy that is powerfully resolute. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another German theologian, um, writing um, from a, a Nazi interrogation prison at this time, um, is, I think this is one, last, one of his last letters he writes, um, to his family and friends. He writes this, and I'm just going to read the quote because I think it's a really beautiful quote about suffering and joy. He says, A sort of joy that exists, that knows nothing about all heart's pain, anguish and dread, it does not last. It can only numb a person for a moment. But, the joy, of the, the joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. That is why it's invincible, irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but finds God in the midst of it. it, is, it is, in, in fact, it is precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness precisely in this way. It looks death straight in the eye, but it finds precise, death, life precisely within it. It looks death straight in the eye, but it fly, finds life precisely in it. It is a resolute joy, because it is a joy that comes from a God who came incarnate on what we celebrate on Christmas Day, incarnate in flesh, to, to experience the poverty of the manger, to experience the agony of the cross, and to give us resolute joy in that. I think that's a really awesome message. So point one is that joy is about restoration, which means that it must be held alongside suffering in this world. Romans 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, and a lot of other things as well. Um, um, I, I am kind of cherry-picking, but, uh, but, but the whole point of Romans 12 is to talk about community, right? It's all about community and how we live together as a Christian community, as siblings in Christ, and um, how we live together. And so I believe that deeply that joy, and particularly biblical joy, isn't this individualized, personalized joy that we kind of look up well, I think that's good, like don't get me wrong, that's a really awesome thing to aspire towards, but I think there's a deeper thing and a deeper command within there, which is communal. The Romans 12 is speaking about a community which rejoices together, which mourns together. And so maybe when we think about joy and the conceptions of joy, maybe we're thinking about it not you know, sometimes it's like what's the lens of the Bible you read it from is what you can read out of it, right? In a sense, like there is the lenses and one of the lenses that obvious is I think obvious to our cultural moment is this individualized, personalized message, right? So we say say, rejoice always, we say, Oh, how do I rejoice always? But actually, if you think about how we're going back to the Old Testament um, conception of joy, it's the restoration of a people. It's the restoration of a community, a group of people. So you know it's the restoration of people from under the thumb of Egypt, It's restoration from people yeah, out of out, um, exile. It's the restoration of things um, of a group of people. It's a, it's a communal joy that comes from restoration. And so you know, when we want to find um, joy in ourselves and we ask these different questions, right, in our personal selves, we ask these different questions. How do we, how are we more happy? How do we laugh more? Um, I don't have problems with that one. Um, how do we, um, and these aren't bad pursuits, um, but I, I deeply believe that like, you know, we're called to be an entire community filled with joy. And I think that's the thing, right? Um, I remember this um, sermon that um, Rose, Rose Robinson um, spoke, which I think maybe it was a few cats ago, Rose, by the way, used to leave blueprint for those who have forgotten about Rose. Um, that's a joke. Um, um, she she talked about that that verse that says, um, rejoice always. Um, kind of give thanks always, blah blah blah. It's like Rowan intense. it's like when how am I gonna rejoice always? Like, how the heck do I like rejoice always? How do I always be thankful? Like it's actually a really, really hard command. And what she said was, maybe let's actually a command for, a, well, it actually is, I think in that reading, it's like, maybe it's a, a command or an invitation, a vocation for a community, that we as a community rejoice always, that when some of us are grieving, some of us are in pain, some of us are suffering, some of us see the suffering of the world, that we rejoice always, that we are thankful always as a communal act. So point two is that joy is a communal act and one that we invite others into. You see, again, tying to my first point, joy is not the absence of grief, of suffering, of sadness. And so, in this way, being a community of joy doesn't deny us the necessary acts of grief and lamentation that you know I've talked about, and what the people will talk about here. But also, one that we do, um, but we also have to be a community that does that all together, and including being sourced and being grounded in the joy that is offered to us by Christ's restoration. We seek restoration for our neighborhoods, for our community. And then when we rejoice, when we see that restoration, no matter how small, no matter how incomplete that is, we, we rejoice that we, we have joy in the restoration that God's doing and has done. And we hold hope for the coming joy when all things are, will be restored, the promise that is in Scripture, that all things will be restored. And we do this together, a community of Christ incarnate, a community of Christ embodied as Christ's body on earth. And this community of joy, one that seeks restoration for each other and our neighborhood, celebrates and exhibits the joy of the Lord. And to me, this is good news. And this is good news that we want to invite others into and say, come, come be part of our community of joy. Come be part of a community that holds these things, that is able to be joyful together, to rejoice together, to rejoice always together, to be thankful together, to mourn with each other. That is the community that I want to invite others into. So point one, joy is not restoration, which means it must be held alongside the suffering in the world. And point two, that joy is a communal act, that one that we invite others into. Finally, the last point I want to talk about is that to suggest that joy in the community looks like practices of gratitude and of celebration, of gratitude and celebration. And this is why an evening services, how we structure our service is to begin, well kind of begin with of notices, uh, but begin with the evening with a time of good story, right? A time where we, it's a time of gratitude, it's a time of celebration of each other and the stories of God's restoration in our lives. And then we end with praise and thanksgiving, gratitude and thanksgiving, gratitude and celebration. Some of the most beautiful moments I have had um, when living in chapters and disables, um have been come from times of celebration. Celebrating with each other, celebrating birthdays, celebrating um, times where we see Jesus has been working through our neighborhood, celebrating of um, yeah of the things that um, God is doing in our lives. And in the most simplest terms, right? Joy, um, rejoicing is just a verb for joy. Right? Rejoice is just a word for joy, and we rejoice with each other. Right? We we celebrate the restoration of Christ with one another, and that is what we celebrate. In Luke 15:10, Jesus says, um, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. No, this is an intense statement, uh, but without kind of a full theological explanation, I just argue that what this is talking about is restoration, right? Restoration for each of us. That when each, any one of us is restored to Christ in the many things that stop us, restored to Christ in the many things that stop us from imaging God, then all of heaven stops, rejoices, and it celebrates. When we repent or we turn, or we, re- we are restored from that, all of heaven rejoices and celebrates. And this is what community that we're called to mimics here on earth, as it's in heaven, right? A community of celebration. And and second part of this is gratitude, right? So celebration and gratitude. Um, gratitude is one that is inherently tied to joy, and so Holly and I, on and off, we're off currently, but uh, I, I really suck at consistency. But have been trying to practice gratitude in our daily evenings um, and kind of talking about how what we're we'll grateful for for the day, um, praying to God and thanking God for the things that have gone on and the things that we've seen God in. And I, I've seen how this profoundly change how I see my, myself and how I see the world and the day in my neighborhood. Because if joy comes from where we see God's restoration, then I guess there's a question about where have we become inattentive, where have we become inattentive to the restoration of God in our lives, in the neighborhood's lives, in the community? Where have we become inattentive to God's restoration? Gratitude and thanksgiving is not, not a naive practice, it's a practice that recognizes and points out and says, ah, that's where God's restoration in And it allows us to become aware and see where God is restoring things around us, which leads to joy. So when we practice this, we're able to hold firm to the joy of the Lord, despite being cognizant of the pain and suffering of the world around us. So yeah, those are the two things I just really really think have been really deep within my heart recently, about this idea that we are called to be communities of joy. We're called to be communities of joy, among other things. But we are called to be communities of joy, ones that practice thanksgiving, ones that, ones that practice gratitude, ones that practice celebration. So point one, joy is about restoration, which means it must be held alongside suffering in this world. Point two is that joy is a communal act and one that we can invite others into, or we should invite others into. Finally, point three, joy looks like a community of celebration and thankfulness.